What's up, everybody? Welcome back to hell, or as we like to call it here, the Who's Number One podcast. A uh, little different crew this time around. Michael out there in Hazard, Kentucky, doing some Daisy Fresh filming. Uh, this is Reed. This is Corey. And we got uh, Connor in the back there. Today on the Who's Number One podcast, we are talking all about April 30th, Ty Rotola versus Craig Jones uh, and all the matches we got coming up for this one. Huge card. They keep getting bigger and bigger. We talked last week about uh, Lovato versus Burns. We announced Nikki Ryan versus PJ Barch. Um, what do you think, Connor? Out of those top three, which one are you looking forward to the most? Man, I, hmm. <laughs> it's a stacked card, right? Um, those are three good ones. But I gotta say, just because of all all of the kind of the, the the hype around both these two individuals, right? Uh, Lovato and Gilbert Burns. Mm-hmm. I, I think it's it's we haven't seen either of them really compete in Nogi, um, with the exception of a, a couple of Lovato matches here and there. Um, but this is. There's so so many dynamics of this, right? Bellator sure. versus UFC. I mean, two of the best Nogi competitors probably in history. Mm-hmm. Uh, two world champions. Yeah. It's, this is great. Absolutely. Huge card like we talked about. So we're going to dig into some of the other matches uh, on the card here. Last week, like I said, talked about a few of, these, few of the big ones. But uh, on these Who's Number One cards, we like to make sure every single match is a big match. Every single match means something. And this April 30th card is no different. Every, every one of these car, uh, matches on this card, pretty intense, pretty crazy. We've had some sick reactions to, uh, to the matches on social media. What do you think, Connor? Uh, which one's stuck? out to you as like something or one match that the, the fans on on social media and stuff are really really looking forward to everyone wants to see grace gundrum wow I, yeah grace is becoming a big star yeah she's gonna i think she's gonna really uh you know not only because of her jujitsu is just like so technical so deadly but you know she has a little bit of like a character around her and most of it's built out of her own silence like you know her <laughs> crew kind of her team uh, does a little bit of the talking for, and she just goes out there and slays. And, you know, people love to see it. I think there's a lot of talking going on in jujitsu, and Grace just shows up like a professional and does work. That is interesting. Why do you think people, people like Grace so much? Um, is it just the personality? she got some slick jujitsu too. I mean, I think it's it's the the mixture yeah, of yeah. that personality, right? She, she I mean, she, we've famously been told that she doesn't study her opponent. She usually doesn't know who her opponent is or what they do. And yet she has just this in, insanely detailed perception of jujitsu, And she backs it up by not talking about it or <laughs> frankly very much at all yeah she reminds me of uh, a little bit you know of course of kind of like the meow brothers in that the meow brothers have this huge social media presence mm-hmm. but they really don't feed into it at all or anything <laughs> like that it's they just kind of post a picture here and there they're, they're very quiet humble people just like um grace but the jiu-jitsu community like, cannot get enough of of that type of persona you know like just like the quiet reserved absolute killer <laughs> jiu-jitsu does need your opposite right the opposite to your gordon ryan's right your gordon ryan who wins everything and tells everybody about it and you know uh talks a lot and backs it up then you have your grace Gundrums, true who doesn't say anything but still backs up the fact that her jiu-jitsu is among the best in the world um and up against number two uh number two what, three two or three number two or three jessica Khan, right <laughs> yeah um she's gonna need it 
Yeah, exactly. Like you said, so uh, Grace on the card here as well. Seemed like a lot of people excited about her. Uh, she had a match uh, on, um, what was it, two two Who's Number Ones ago? Three Who's, who's Number Ones ago? I forget. They, they just seemed to pile up. <laughs> but she had a great, a great match there with Misa. You remember that one, um, Connor? Maybe you can refresh the fans' memories. What, what happened in that ma- match, if you if you remember? If you didn't see it, uh, I mean, obviously both women went out there and went to war. But, um, you know, Misa, she has shown in the last... I don't know, two or who in the last who's number one in this most recent performance at I believe it was EUG, she's shown she's not only world class, but she is at the top of world class. And when she went up against Grace Gundrum, she showed that again. I mean, on the who's number one stage, it's no different when, um, you know, Maisa puts on a gi or takes it off. She's an absolute savage. Grace wasn't able to get the victory on that one, but obviously we wanted her back. She put on an awesome performance, and she's always going for the subs. And any athlete that comes out to the who's number one card and is always looking for subs, always looking for ways to finish somebody, yeah, we, always bring them back. Yeah, we want them on there for mm-hmm. sure. Um, yeah, so Grace, um, you know, took a tough, tough match there in, in Misa. Um, really, really close match, I think, you know, especially looking back after this weekend um, on that Grace match. It was a um, really, really close technical match. You know, some say that one could have gone either way as well. But this time she's matching up with um, the, the California uh, AOJ prospect, uh, or I guess she's a not not really a prospect anymore. She's she's uh, here established. We had her on the last who's number one uh, against Daniel Kelly. I think we even have a little clip of uh, some some of the jiu-jitsu from Jessica Khan um, at the last who's number one here. But um, this is a great matchup. Two of these two both these girls uh, very very elite. You can see uh, Jessica Khan had a great performance last time who's number one against Danielle Kelly here. This is one of um, her standout moments. This knee bar attempt. Um, but uh, you, you've been watching um, um, Jessica Khan closely for a little while. Uh, Corey, what, what do you think about this matchup here, Jessa versus Grace? So, uh, I just want to say quickly, uh, mm-hmm. looking at both Grace's and Jessa's, who's number one debuts, I was impressed by both of them for different reasons, right? We'll, we'll start with Jessa, um, up against number seven ranked Danielle Kelly. And, you know, we, we sometimes expect AOJ to play a, a kind of campy style until they get going. Yeah. Jessa did not stop attacking, right? It was triangles, knee bars, guillotine. I yeah. mean, she, yeah. she... Danielle really couldn't, you know, get out of defending. Right. She, she just had to defend, defend, defend. And she, she tried to hit uh, Danielle with everything. To, to Danielle's credit, she was able to, to come out unscathed, right? She, she uh, Jessa, Jessa won, but Danielle uh, never submitted. Um, and then if we look just a, a couple months back at Grace's, who's number one debut, up against not just one of the best in the world, but definitely the best straw weight in the world. She kept it close the whole time. I mean, it, yeah. it was kind of a controversial decision. I, I think it went the right way uh, going for, for uh, Misa, but to keep it close enough that people could question who won is impressive in itself. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, we hadn't seen Grace on the on the big big stage quite like that ever before. You know, she's done some EBIs and and whatnot, but I feel like it was a really big stage. Um, you know, to have kind of all the all the lights on you. Who's number one? It does feel a little bit different. I, I feel like than just kind of like a normal competition. And uh, you know, so I'm very curious to see how Grace was going to kind of respond um, under those lights. But I thought she performed really well. Um, I loved. You know, she she was the I think she was the more aggressive fighter in in. Um, the match with with Maisa that she kept running back to the center. She she was aggressively passing. She was aggressively trying to make something happen, you know. And I think Maisa just was able to kind of pop off a few positions to, to get the win there. Um, but yeah, like you said, couldn't couldn't 
can't come away from that match not being impressed with what Grace did. Love this matchup. These three girls, you know, are going to be at the top of this weight class, I think, for, for a long, long time, um, or four girls. So I think we'll see them kind of interchange throughout the um, throughout the upcoming years. And, and um, this is is this is like the start of a, of a great, probably, rivalry. Or, or these two girls have... have um, faced each other before right yeah so it's, it's funny we were talking about this on the grappling bolton podcast on monday um they they face basically every five years which is insane they're 18 and 19 years old <laughs> they 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 had a match at like a like a naga or something uh when they were nine and ten years old wow jessa won that one i think uh they had another match when they were 14 and 15 or, or around there uh drace won that one in overtime it was an ebi match and here they are again. So they have a long history already, and I think it's just getting started, really. We keep calling uh, guys like Lovato and Burns veterans, but uh, <laughs> here we have here we have girls who've been doing jiu-jitsu ten plus years al- already in, in Grayson and um, and and Jessa. I mean, these two girls are, are veterans already, especially in, on the who's number one stage here too. I am I'm curious. Uh, what do you guys think, or how do you guys measure these two competitors up in relation to? their match with Maisa. I mean, we just saw them both pretty much within the last few months. Obviously, it's different. One was a gi match and one was a no gi. So I don't, you know, you get into this jiu-jitsu MMA math, it'll never work out. But I was curious, um, you know, after seeing what you saw this weekend, does that play a role in in how you're going to make your picks this time around? I I really think, especially in this weight category, gi and no gi are apples and oranges. Mice's Mikey Musumeshi would disagree with you. I, I guess so, but <laughs> I, I think if, if we saw, if you take a look at Mice's performance against Jessa just last weekend in the gi, um, she she looked dominant in the last couple of minutes of the match, um, but it's really tough to measure, especially if you look at their previous match. Um, Jessa was able to uh, launch a couple of attacks against uh, Mice before I think she got submitted. Um, I, I think this is an entirely different animal in nogi and no better example of that than look at how much jessa's game changes from gi to uh, nogi uh, and use daniel kelly as an example her her nogi game is very attack oriented and i think we're going to see an entirely different jessa against mysa in, um in, in that potential matchup yeah you know I, mean, I think it's a good point though to, to bring it up just because yeah you know uh, mysa did have have such success and and you know judging off of jessa's last performance you know she looks like a world beater out there in Nogi, you know, looks almost invincible, um, you know, especially in, in her weight class. So I think that, you know, for me, like watching her against Misa just reminded me that these girls, you know, they're all so good. They're all right there. And I think that they all can kind of beat each other on any given day. And it's just about who's kind of like sharpest and, and who's who's, you know, maybe um, the most well-trained in, in that specific rule set at the time or whatever but i think it, it let me know that yeah man this is going to be this is going to be a, an even match between between grace and jessa and, and it's not going to be an easy one to predict um speaking of great matches though we got plenty of them on the card let's move let's keep this uh train moving along uh the next match i want to talk about is uh, is a crazy one michael set this one up and i remember he uh, said through the chat that it looked like a um a Tekken matchup, like it almost had like the, a Tekken vibe to it. You know, these guys like have such interesting looks and personalities. Um, you know, so it, it had me really looking forward to it. I'm talking about Heisem Rita versus um, Sloan Climber. Um, you know, two kind of guys who are just starting to make their name for themselves in the black belt ranks here um, in, in the Nogi grappling world. I think it's a perfect time for both of these guys to match up. Sloan's been killing it out there. Just got his black belt from from Keenan Cornelius.
Marcus and and uh, out there in the Legion, uh, the Legion crew, Heisum. You know, he's uh, I I believe he just kind of moved to 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 the United States and is making his run here. So love that these two guys are are matching up um, and, and checking this one out. What do you think about this one, Connor? Is it uh, is it the, got the the Tekken vibes for you? It, totally, especially when when you look at Heisum, he's just an athletic like monster and i i love seeing that in no gi because you know you're not able to slow everything down as much and and you know the athleticism is really allowed to shine like it can in you know other professional sports on the top level um but then you know you're facing sloan and i think we all know sloan's a terror to have on you whenever it's uh you know in any no gi setting we've seen one fight to win recently a few times uh you know you guys have been following him long before that uh so maybe you guys will have a little bit more expertise on his jujitsu uh but yeah this is one of those matches that you look at these guys and not only is it characters it's like almost like uh you know you said tech and i'm thinking wwe like you know sloan with the mustache yeah yeah <laughs> uh, but but you get exciting jujitsu out of it and that's what we're really looking for yeah, Sloan used to be a Tenth Planet guy. Um, you know, has a really interesting um, game. He, I believe, we even have a little clip here of of uh, some of that kind of uh, interesting jiu-jitsu from Sloan um, on, on a recent fight to win. This one was a badass one. Justin Rennick is a killer here in Austin, and and um, Sloan does does this little um, nogi Ezekiel choke, which you don't see quite too often, but uh, has a wrestling base as well. This guy's a, this guy's no joke, right, right, Corey? Yeah, and Sloan, he, he's. He's aggressive, he's willing to scramble, but if he gets into a position he wants, he can be heavy, he's powerful, um, very very accurate. Um, That's where those like wrestling hips come into play. Absolutely. And one thing to note, because I don't think we, we pointed this out yet, this match is uh, free, YouTube and you Facebook, uh, so it's going to be on the point. undercard. Great point. Um, uh, yeah, he, and he just he's a submission hunter. I mean, who pulls this off? Who, who even attempts this at this level, right? The, uh, from closed guard from the like guard. that? From, and then switches to this butterfly? Like, this is a, a tough submission to hit, I feel like. But Especially... that's exactly, that's what we love to see on who's number one, right? Is guys who are willing to to try things for the submission, right? Guys who are going after it, taking risks, and, and having some creative jujitsu. Yeah, no, I think both these guys are really quintessential submission hunters. Um, you don't see too too many of them um, winning by like points or, or draws or, or, or anything like that. Both these guys get after it. Um, yeah, we can show this this like, little clip of Heisum here too. Um, just last week, or I feel like it was last week. And, um, it was like a month ago, probably. Um, the Dallas Open here, we got to see Heisum in action. You were there for this one right. too, right, Corey? Is this the, uh, the I, I believe this, what's coming up is Rita's very first heel hook finish ever what's what stuck out to you about Heisum you know I mean standing next to him he, he towered over me you know that was something that, that I didn't um, quite expect he's very very tall um, you know he looks like a big guy he's uh you know he's having a great time out there that's something that I I noticed you yeah. know big smile on his face he's, he's having a lot of fun it's always fun to win right yeah so, so that's the funny thing is uh, uh, Heisum I look at him and I'm I'm five foot seven, right? I, I everybody's tall to me, but 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 I just, I'm like, man, this guy's seven feet tall. You know, he's, he's probably <laughs> probably like six there three, is, six there. four, but he's just he's so precise and exactly he he has a good time with his jujitsu. He's willing to take risks. Um, one thing that it's not in this clip, but he's got phenomenal judo. Right? Mm. He trained in he trained in Japan for years. He just moved here in October. Um, his, his judo, gi or no gi, you know, he uses that, that wizard and that overhook and he throws people to the mat, to the mat. He takes mount. He, he's an armbar hunter. Um, he's got a, a really 
uh, precise, really accurate armbar. Well, that's interesting because Sloan's kind of uh, got a little bit of wrestling background, so you got a little bit of wrestling versus judo uh, in this matchup as well. I'll take that matchup any day. Uh, you got to love to see that. <laughs> what do you take? You, you, what's your money on wrestling or judo? Oh yeah, I if, gotta they, stick if they with... fought to the death, wrestling or judo? <laughs> wrestling, wrestling, wrestling. Yeah, come fight me on it. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Greco-Roman wrestling is... <laughs> okay, yes. okay, okay, easy now. <laughs> no. Um, yeah, and, and Heisem spent a lot of time in uh, in Japan, if, I, if I'm not mistaken. Now he's living here in the States uh, in um, in Detroit with with uh, David Garmo and, right. and that team. Is that right? Yeah, up at uh, Detroit Jiu-Jitsu. Detroit Jiu-Jitsu. And that's, and that's... And, uh, I'm sorry, uh, Assembly Jiu-Jitsu. Mm-hmm. And that's is that uh, David Garmo's team? Is that yeah? That's that's David Garmo who's also got a match and he's number one. Uh, awesome. We'll dig into that one. Uh, anything else, Connor? You want to say about about this matchup, man? We're looking forward to it. Both submission hunters. It's free on YouTube. I can't believe we're giving this one away for free. I don't know whose decision that was. Crazy. Um, we're losing money on it, man. It's yeah. uh, no. I I'm I'm super excited about it, and I think. Uh, you know, you guys were talking about uh, how much fun Heisen was having, and it, I thought about it. And, you know, the only thing worse than, like, staring across the mat at, like, a giant is if that giant's smiling. <laughs> if, he's, if he's, like, having way too much fun with it, he's that confident, you just know it's like, oh, man. Yeah, yeah. yeah I got to talk to Heisen right after there. He hit that... Um... He hit that uh, heel hook that we just watched. Um, and, yeah, he, he mentioned that, you know, he just, because of the rule set, decided to kind of throw it out there and, and, it, and it ended up working. Uh, you know, hats off to Heisem. I'm really looking forward to this one. Um, I think it's a, it's a new fold for who's number one, kind of bringing in the, these these two guys. Um, you know, like we, we've mentioned a million times here, but I think they're perfect grapplers for this type of rule set, 15 minutes submission only. Um, I'm, I'm curious. I'm curious. I mean, Heisem looks like a world beater. He looks like a world beater sometimes when he's out there. He, he looks like he could be one of the best in the world. And so let, let's see. Sloan, Sloan's a big test for him. So let, let's see. Um, where where Heisem ceiling is. I'm excited. Absolutely. I would love to see a little bit of a shakeup in, in some of those heavyweight classes, and I think Heisem might be the guy to do it. Give him a, a couple of years, and, and he could be right up in there in, in you know, the top three, top five. There you go. I mean, I think that, you know, he, yeah, you're, you're exactly right. He's a new name, um, kind of in that light heavyweight-ish uh, weight class. He's definitely over 200 pounds, so you can match him up with a lot of a lot of interesting uh, names in there. Who knows? Maybe he's an opponent for Gordon Ryan down, down the line. That would be an interesting one. Um, but, uh, yeah, let's move it down on the line here. We, we mentioned David Garmo, um, who's coming out uh, with Heisem as well, to be taking on uh, uh, the Daisy Fresh kid, uh, Andrew Wiltsey. Uh, another interesting matchup here. Andrew had a great win last time um, versus PJ Barch, the 10th Planet um, wrestler, uh, who's going to be back taking on Nikki Ryan. But uh, this time, uh, Andrew Wiltsey taking on David Garmo uh, in another kind of like, uh, you know, Garmo known as a little bit of a of a leg locker. Uh, I feel. Am, am I wrong about saying that? I, I don't think you're wrong. Um, I, yeah, I, he's got a great leg lock game. His knee bars are, are sharp. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think people might recognize him a little bit better for his his uh, guillotines. His his chin strap is fierce. Gotcha. Yeah. He has that like high elbow thing. Does he do that or? Yeah, I mean, he was he was uh, he was showing us he he was in town uh, a couple weeks back. He was showing us some of his his guillotine finishes. Shades of Hinger in it for sure. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. But he, he definitely has guillotines from everywhere, um, and he'll he'll follow it up. But we, we have a clip here of uh, of, of some of uh, one of Garmo's uh, guillotines from I think it was Nogi Pans. Um, but you'll see he just he's aggressive and he'll follow it up. He'll he'll switch from the guillotine to a Dars to an Anaconda back to the guillotine. He, 
It, once he gets on the neck, he, he sees blood. That's something that that hanger is so good at. I'm sure um, David uh, he is, is good at this as well, is th that just relentless attack on the neck to the guillotine, you know, where they never, never stop attacking, whether it's, yeah, they switch from, from you know, arm in guillotine to high elbow guillotine to Darces to anacondas. They're always, um, you know, there's a really good, just like cycle of attacks that these guys go through when they're guillotine and they're so relentless they never let it up and see so, and then he kind of finishes just without the arm in and any what a nightmare position to be in <laughs> with that man wrapped around your neck do you wake up sometimes in the middle of the night like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah from like really bad rolls where i just <laughs> yeah yeah I, I wake up and i'm like already chin yeah. down and everything there's yeah. a teddy bear or something mm -hmm, mm -hmm. that's the mikey musureshi way anyway <laughs> um, what do you like about this this matchup here, uh, Connor? You've watched, uh, of course, Andrew Wiltsia. I'm pretty sure you're familiar with David Garmo as well. Um, what do you see happening in this one? I I think it comes down to how uh, Garmo can deal with Andrew Wiltsy's guard. And I'm not sure many people in the world know how to deal with Andrew Wiltsy's guard right now. Uh, he's very fluid. Uh, I see Garmo really hunting that neck like he has in, in his more recent competitions where he's just latching on and never letting go. Uh, but I think in order to do that, that means he kind of has to dive past Andrew and just like cinch on it. Um, if that is the strategy he goes with, it's going to be an exciting match because, you know, at that point we got someone flying around Andrew Wiltsy, uh, opening up a lot more so that he can get into his game. Uh, you know, there's there's no way this one isn't Andrew, exciting. Andrew can wrestle too, so who knows? They could they could it could be on the feet for for a minute there, and he could he could try to be snatching some guillotines from the feet because Andrew sometimes does like to wrestle, and he does have a good wrestling game. Absolutely, he he did back away from it with PJ, and I yeah. think maybe that's because PJ is so good at wrestling. He he kind of knew better. Uh, yeah, no, absolutely. I think I think that will be a interesting path towards victory for Garmo and. Um, I would like to talk to Andrew uh, before his match because, you know, I, I think during our promo shoot, he's always one of the most fun people to, to work with. And he's very aware of, like, what his game plan is. And he is not getting off it. He is, uh, it's an interesting matchup. Love. Yeah, sometimes a lot of people can be secretive about their game plan or about what they're trying to do or about, you know, kind of like what they're planning to pull guard or to wrestle or, or to go after the legs. or You know, some people can kind of... Um, hold those cards close to their chest, you know, and not, and not reveal that that type of thing. Um, but uh, Wiltsy doesn't care. Who knows? Like, Wiltsy is going to tell you exactly step A, step B, step C. Like, he's going to go down the line. This is exactly what I'm going to do. And you're going to try to stop it, and you're not going to be able to stop it. Right. And there, there's a degree of, of, of awareness in the... Um like the consequences of each move, right? Because, okay, I'm, I'm going to attack with this. And if he does this, I'll do that. And if he does that, I'll do this. And to, to have that much awareness of your game plan going in, I mean, just think about how much he studies and how much he drills this. Um, the, the one thing that's exciting me about this match going in is Wilty can sometimes be a little bit cagey if his opponent is also cagey, right? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. If his opponent is not willing to try and blast past the guard, Wilty's never going to open his guard up. He, he knows he's safe. He knows he's in good position. Garmo does he he can inch past the guard, but he's much more willing to fly over the top and look yeah. for a Kimura or a guillotine. That's what I like about Garmo. He doesn't he doesn't mind if he's on the, on top, on bottom, right. or if he gives up a sweep, if he takes like a sweep, like he he's good everywhere. He can go everywhere. That's what I've noticed watching Garmo. He doesn't really care top, bottom, neutral. Right. And the fact that Garmo will be full throttle at this 
means that we'll get to see Andrew Wiltsey at his best, right? We'll, we'll get to see him open up, and we, you know, hopefully, we'll see a little bit more more action than than we got out of the PJ Andrew match, where they were just both a little bit more respective of each other's game. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And yeah, and we didn't see much of PJ in guard. You know, we right. never, uh, Andrew kept coming up, um, you know, and they and they would wrestle, and and uh, you know, PJ kind of a very good wrestler. So he would kind of nullify those exchanges. Um, I don't think David's going to be as keen to to, to wrestle or to to um, you know fight off those sweeps. You know, it is a submission only tournament. The sweeps really, in the grand scheme of things, don't mean too too much. Um, so getting swept, uh, I think David will, will will be fine with that. He'll be fine to, to play play guard. He'll be fine to hunt the legs. He'll be fine to kind of um, you know hunt guillotines from the bottom and stuff like that. So I think we're, I think we'll see a, a lot of of jujitsu in this match. You know, a lot of uh, top bottom, a lot a lot of different stuff. So that that excites me just to see. I'm hoping we get to see uh, Andrew pass too because Andrew has some lightning passes. Man, that dude's a killer. His passing game is definitely something to be studied. Right? Yeah, he he does a really good job of pressuring in and then as soon as you think okay i know what he's doing he starts blitzing mm-hmm, mm-hmm. big one um i do want to get to kind of uh, our our one of our, our big matches here that i'm really really excited about on this card it was supposed to happen at the last who's number one um and a last minute uh, dog a- attack out of out of left field. That was a shark attack. I think. It was a shark attack or <laughs> yeah. a dog attack or yeah. something. Exactly, I forget. But um, a freak accident had to uh, remove Cade last minute from the card. Unfortunately, uh, last month we rebooked it for for this one, April thirtieth. I'm talking about Cade Rotolo versus Ethan Krenlinston. Some say the most controversial match in who's number one history they threw down last year it seems like ages ago to be honest now um they had a great match on the uh, on the who's number one stage in dallas when we were doing them up there for a second a uh, non-stop match can we is that safe to say that these two like literally didn't stop grappling for for 10 minutes straight it was one of the most more exciting matches of the night yeah i, I mean they they both have endless cardio and you need no better example than than this match i mean they were constant attacks um Cade had a a a nice couple of uh kimura and and straight arm lock attacks at the beginning of the match and then ethan just just went on and on with leg entries and back attacks and it it almost rolled out the mat about a dozen times right but they they kept fighting exactly um super exciting matchup so this one we, we rebooked it um Cade won that one. The controversy, there was some a little bit of controversy. Um, a lot of people thought Ethan uh, kind of dominated positionally the match, and Cade uh, kind of had the more um, submission attempts. He had a couple of steam lock attempts. He had um, an armbar attempt and things like that. So, um, you know, kind of a, a story of what do you value more, positional dominance or, um, or submission attacks. At the time, the rule set for who's number one was about borrowing from fight to win, so they awarded the the um, the, the fight to Cade Rotolo because of his um, superior submission attacks. Uh, a lot of people were up in arms in a little bit about that. What do you think uh, about that, Corey? Did you have an opinion when you watched the match as to who you thought won? When I was watching it live, I was surprised that it did not go to Ethan. Um, based on the the leg entries uh, and, and the... the back attacks towards the end of the match re-watching it I, I think it was a little bit more even yeah. sometimes when you're watching it live you get fixated on, on one position or one attack I see it a little bit more more closely now than I saw it when I was watching it live but still um, definitely some question marks I, I think it's it's um, 
it, one of the key reasons why we have been so explicit about defining what the who's number one rule set is mm-hmm. and what the who's number who's number one who's number one rules um, uh, are, are focused on, right? What our priorities are with with the judges, uh, what the judges are looking for, um, but definitely um, a, a key match in the redesign of, the, of our rule set. Yeah, and so we so since that match, you know, and 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 uh, we've reevaluated kind of our rule set system, like Corey was saying here. Here, who's number one? Um, we still very, very much are valuing um, submission attacks very highly, and, but they have to be dangerous submission attacks. They have to be submission attacks that lead to hyper extensions or that lead to uh, scrambles or or position loss, things like that. Um, submission for the sake of of submission, when when there's no kind of like uh, advantage position or anything like that those aren't going to be scored very high and uh, we are we are taking a renewed focus looking at positional dominance it's it it can't be um, completely disregarded like how some rule sets kind of disregarded in the past we're taking um, more consideration into the fold and looking at positions like mount positions like guard passes positions like uh, back takes and things like that and really valuing them high especially when uh, when you know athletes do something with those advantage uh, advantageous positions so um, definitely it's a little bit different of a rule set now i'm not going to say it changes a whole lot to be honest for Cade or for ethan you know i think that hopefully the rule set will just give everybody a better sense of who the actual winner is because we want to find out who has the best jujitsu that's ultimately what we're looking for who has the better jujitsu you that night positionally submission wise um, and then the last thing we're looking for is aggression we, we want these guys who are going after it but i don't think we're gonna have a problem um, worrying about aggression from from guys like cade and uh and ethan so what do you think about this one connor um you you watched the first match what stuck out to you in the first match do you think it's going to be very similar this time around you think things are going to be cha- changed up a lot what are you feeling on, on this match i think that really comes down to uh what cade shows up Honestly, uh, I, I know uh, Corey had talked about a few question marks around the match. And for me personally, the question marks were um, the armbar attempts, how, um, you know, the, they weren't positionally super secure, so they were only able to be locked in for a second or two at a time. That being said, there was obvious discomfort and, uh, you know, a little bit of hyperextending. And I think those are where, you know, you get little bits of question marks of like, yes, it's a sub-attempt, is that, um, you know, counteract uh, all of Ethan's leg entries. And there's no, like, good, you know, one-to-one quantitative way of of figuring that out. Uh, I think moving forward uh, for the next match, I hope that Cade has more answers for not the leg attacks, but the entries into the leg entanglements, because that seems... uh, Cade didn't really seem super panicked whenever he actually had his legs trapped in there. But he did get his legs trapped in there quite a bit. And, uh, you know, with someone like Ethan, you cannot just give him an ankle and let him hold on to it for too long. Uh, you know, he got out of the first match without getting uh, finished. Uh, if he does not have an answer for that kind of leg entry uh, this time around, I don't I don't know if he gets that lucky a second time. Well, well here's something this thing, and I think that's a, a great point. Here's something that this match kind of brought to my attention was and just real quick i think we do have a, a a clip of this first match here a little bit that we can play while, while you get yeah, absolutely go ahead here um one thing that came to my mind re-watching this match is you know what we talk a lot about you, when you get to a, a dominant position you have to do something with it right you get a side control and you don't attack an arm lock or a choke really the side control isn't worth a whole lot yeah 
I would say the same thing about like an inside Sakaku position, right? You get to the position you dominate control for, you control it for 10 minutes and the other guy does nothing, clearly you win. But if you get to that position and you don't ever attack a leg or try and follow it up, what's that position really worth? Mm -hmm. You know, it's a great point. I think, I think we've talked a lot about kind of, um, you know, kind of what went wrong in the match or, or the, you know, to blame the rule set or, or whatever, uh, um, you know, but I think, yeah, it, it's fair to, to look at, um, at what Ethan didn't do in this match. You know, he knew the rule set. He knew, he knew um, that submissions were, were um, highly rewarded. And I think, you know, he, like, like both of you said, he, he gets into some, some really advan- advantageous um, uh, leg entanglement positions here, um, but he just doesn't fire off those submission attacks. And I think if he fired off the submission attacks when he got to the, when he got to the legs, you know, maybe we wouldn't be talking about how this was a controversial match or, or whatever. So maybe that's something that he needs to to kind of fix this time around is is when he does get to those positions, you need to be immediately firing off uh, attacks. Is that kind of what you're, you're talking about, Connor? I mean, uh, Corey? Yeah, I think so. And and to, to my recollection, maybe he did attack a couple, but Cade, defend, Cade defended them well. Yep, Regardless, yep. I'm really curious to see how either of them changed their game plan going into the next match, if at all. Yeah, and, and you know, I, I talked I talked a lot about uh, to Ty when he was here in Austin um, uh, for the last who's number one and talked about the, the Craig match, you know, and um, those guys are, are very eager to fight the leg lockers of the world. You know, there was a time where they weren't very well versed on it. Uh, you can look back at the ADCC trials when, when, when both of them, I believe both of them um, got leg locked there, but you know, that was a long time ago in, uh, especially in the world of the Rotolos when they're, you know, 15, 16, 17, 18, 19, like they're, they're, they're so young. They're, they're progressing so, so quickly. Um, you know, so th- so at least talking to um, to Ty, you know, they want to fight these leg lockers. They think that they have the the uh, the secret formula or whatever to to beat these these uh, leg lockers. And um, so I, I think they're very anxious to kind of prove that that um, they, you know they have the, the formula to, to beat these guys. And we're gonna get two looks at that. Mm, uh, at, true. At who's number yeah. one? Right. We're gonna we're gonna get to see Cade fight Ethan, who has great leg locks as well as a great well 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 rounded game. Uh, but then that's kind of an appetizer for uh, Ty Rotolo versus Craig Jones in the main event, um, which will be the premier leg locker in jiu-jitsu most likely versus the guy who thinks he can beat him. Yeah, absolutely. I think this has a lot of uh, implications for ADCC too, right? I mean, uh, uh, Ethan and Cade, I, th- I believe, are going to be in that 66. Maybe maybe um, Cade will move up to 77, but um, I think they'll be in uh, around that, that weight class, if not uh, just one above or whatever. But um I think there's implications here for sure for uh, for ADCC, and, and you're going to see Ty possibly at 88, where Craig is in ADCC. So so both these matches matches I think have really big implications for the future of uh, of grappling for sure. Um, let's move on here. What, what, anything else you wanted to say um, before we move on, Connor? No, this is going to be awesome. I think we are going to have to rebook this every time that. Uh, <laughs> Cade decides to get attacked by a shark until it happens. We will make this match happen. Man, Michael we got Sears. a really cool video coming out uh, soon with, with these guys uh, and with Craig Jones. And um, there's just nobody cooler than the Rotolo brothers and Craig Jones. Like they, like, they are just like the epitome of cool, I feel like. I'm watching a lot of the interviews, going back through a lot of footage and stuff like that. And I just wish I was half as cool as Ty Rotolo. Don't you? You are, Reed. You think so? You at, think least, at least half. At least half as cool? Connor, Connor won't give you that. No, you got the hair. Uh, <laughs> if, if he had the hair like you do, then you'd be it'd Whoa. be a tough competition. Whoa. But, yeah. Yeah, but uh, we got some great footage. We went um, surfing with with Rotolo Brothers out in uh, Winden Sea Beach in um, 
San Diego, California, uh, just to see these guys hitting the waves. Um, they've been doing it their whole lives. They're so like fluid and cool, and and um, man, they just have like sweet jujitsu. It just, it, I'm I'm jealous. I'm when jealous I, of them. When I grow up, I'm gonna be a Ruotolo <laughs> brother. I'm gonna fingers I'm, crossed. I know. <laughs> fingers crossed, man. No, uh, those guys are awesome. So really excited to see what they can do. They're so young, you know. Um, you know, have you been following these? How long do you think you've been following Ruotolo brothers? I mean, it it feels like it, it's weird, right? I. It seems like they were green belt six months ago. Yeah, it does. But it also, I mean, the the growth that they've done in the last, whether it's six months or three years or who knows, yeah, it's about since green belt when they, you know, were posting these ridiculous looking but funny enough effective techniques online and. Yeah, I feel like everybody kind of kind of stumbles upon the Rotolo brothers at some point when they're like a white belt or a blue belt or whatever. <laughs> at some point you f- you stumble upon these like highlights of these little yeah, orange belts, green belts, just stunting on kids IBJJF tournaments and <laughs> stuff like that and you're like, "Wow, I didn't know jiu-jitsu could look that slick just throwing <laughs> flying arm bars left and right and stuff like that." So, um like I said about last time, I think a lot of people still see them as these kind of like a uh, little kids, you know, uh, training with each other and in, in, in as orange orange belts, but um incredible to see them kind of coming into their own as mature adult you know um professional athletes you know they're out there training with with uh, strength and conditioning guys and and uh, you know of course they're training with atos with the best guys in the world kind and andre um so the sky's the limit for those guys i'm really excited to see what they can do at the next uh, adcc as well but they got to get through craig and ethan first um while we're while we're here on this weight class maybe we can pull up the the, the rankings actually just a, a little bit we can talk about kind of where, where everything's fallen uh this is the 170 pound weight class nogi rankings uh, you can check out all the rankings of course on flowgrappling.com we have a little rankings tab you can see all the rankings definitely a good way to 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 uh follow who's number one follow potential matchups follow future matchups this is what we're all kind of working from is uh is these nogi rankings they really really mean uh quite a bit and uh, at the top here 170 pounds you got the king Gary Tonin. the king yeah. although Gary Tonin. i don't know how much longer he's going to be up there right he he loses uh he loses qualifications soon he hasn't competed since when was his last dante in july yeah, must have been in July. So, I mean, it, you know, yeah. uh, Gary could remain at the top of this division forever as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, um, I did see that recently. Uh, I forget where I saw it. I'm not sure it was on his social media or, or somebody else's social media that they're, that, that one championship is looks like they're, they're talking about putting together a, a fight with him and Tan Lee there right. for, and, for, the, for the title soon. It's great to see him doing well in MMA, right? He's still undefeated. Um, but in the meantime, there are some hungry grapplers here who want that top spot. Uh, we know that Ty was calling Gary out for for a little bit. Still love to see that match. Um, but there are some other great matchups in this division that, um, it, it, including right one of the one of the main card matches here. There you uh, go, Nikki Ryan and PJ Barch. Yeah, exactly. We got a couple guys on this April thirtieth card who are on on this top ten rankings spot uh, down there at number ten. You got PJ Barch. He's taking on number four Nikki Ryan, and then you have Ty Rotolo, who's number three at one seventy pounds at the moment. He's he's growing. He's getting bigger, and he's taking on the the um, number what is Craig number one or number two of, at eighty eight. Right. Gotta be number one in. Uh... 
In 205. In 205. He's number four. He's number four. Okay, so he's he, Craig's right there. You know, he, he's coming up and uh, is, you know, of course, silver medalist at ADCC. So Ty taking on him. Who knows? We could see, we could see Ty leave the, the weight class and go up to, to 88. So hard to, hard to see there. But, uh, let, yeah, let's let's take a little look here. Number four, number number 10. You surprised to, to see number four taking on number 10, Connor? I am. I think it's a little bit of a testament to how uh, scary Nicky Ryan is. Uh, just, you know, he's still young, so he has a little bit of that, like, uh, people see him as almost the prodigy still, despite him being a grown man, and no one wants to lose to the young guy. Uh, I think PJ stepping up is huge. Uh, you know, if you're the number 10 spot and you get the shot at the number four, even if you don't come out with the victory, if you look good, look competitive, make it a close match, you know, you're you're raising your own stock, and I think PJ's one of the guys that goes in there every time looking for the win. Uh, you know, he's not accepting second best. This is exciting to me. Yeah. Uh, I think we're going to run into a problem, though, in this uh, division that DDS takes up three of the top spots. So, you know, matchmaking without uh, putting team versus team will become a little bit trickier as uh, as they continue to take up the the higher ranks. Yeah, for sure. Anybody who th- thinks PJ doesn't have a chance to win this one, they don't know what they're talking about. So let's speculate a little bit. PJ Barge wins this matchup here with, with Nicky Ryan. Where does he go from here? What do you think, Corey? It's tough to rush him, right? R- right to right to number four. He can't replace Nicky Ryan in that position. But I would say, you know, um, I'd put him at at least seven or eight. Um, I'd still like to see some of these matches, right? Uh, PJ versus Johnny Tama or Oliver Taza. Um, although I definitely want that PJ versus Ty Rotolo win or loss. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a scrambly fun match Absolutely. for sure. Yeah, give me. Uh, okay, so Oliver Taza called out uh, Hanato Canuto, not in any disrespectful way, obviously, but after the after who's number one, he said, "Hey, you're next in line. Like, let me work my way up the ranks." And I still want that match to happen, but. If Nicky Ryan uh, loses to PJ, then I think, you know, we get him in that mix with Hanato Canuto, Oliver Taza. Uh, you know, like Corey said, I think Johnny Tama is a really fun one, especially, uh, you know, giving Tama coming off of the, the very close loss to Oliver Taza. Uh, yeah, I, I think there's a lot of opportunity for movement up at the top ranks if PJ can pull off something explosive this week or uh, on April 30th. I said this weekend. I'm too excited. I man. know. I keep thinking, right? They just keep <laughs> piling up. But yeah, uh, yeah I, I mean, I, it's Hanato Canuto. I believe Hanato's the only name up there we haven't seen on um, on the Who's Number One stage, right? I guess it's John Combs. If you count to the Andrew Wiltsey there, John Combs match, I'm not sure if that was technically uh, on. on um, who's number one card or if it was on the, the fight to win card, I forget. But, uh, yeah, J- John Combs is another one. But, um, yeah, we, I think we got to get uh, Hanato into the fold here. You know, he had such a great run there at Kasai, had those great matches with Wagner, of course had the backflip pass against Jason Rao. Um, you know, this guy's an exciting guy. I think he could match up. And could you imagine Hanato Canuto versus Nicky Ryan? I like that match, but let's also, I mean, I'm thinking this, let, let's do uh, John Combs and Canuto, get them both on and, and fill out that 170 division, get, get them all a who's number one record. There you go. Yeah, yeah. I love it. This is a stacked division. Um, you know, we haven't seen Dante in a little bit, so um, hopefully we get to see Dante out back there on the who's number one stage soon. Um, yeah, this is a huge, huge weight class. Who do you St- want to see Dante against? Man, I don't know. We saw him against Gary recently. Uh, I'd like to give that a little bit more time. We saw him. We seen, uh, saw him against Hanato, I believe, at Kasai. I think that was the, during right, the yeah. Oh yeah, that, those heavyweight two have a Grand history. Prix. 
Um, Those two do have a history. Yeah, you could do uh, Dante versus Nato. So this actually feeds right into my next question, which okay. was if Nikki beats PJ, who's next for Nikki? And Dante is a great candidate there. That's perfect. Yeah, I think I think if Nikki can can um, be decisive here and, and and come away with a big win over over PJ, that that might be next for him. That's good. That's a good. Uh, good match there. One thing I want to point out while we're talking about these rankings too, uh, I just released an article uh, today. So PJ, when he fights Nikki, is going to be the very first person to have fought Gordon and Nikki. Wow. He fought Gordon back in 2016. He's He's got Nikki coming up. So that'll be the first, but I don't think he's the last. There's a bunch of guys in 185 that Gordon has fought that I think are prime candidates for Nikki. Where did he fight Gordon? Uh, it was a, a subspectrum, I believe, oh, okay. in, uh, in 2016. Gotcha. I think gotcha. It was Gordon's like second match as a black belt. Wow! Wow! Interesting. How much different did Gordon look? Uh, Twenty years old and one hundred and seventy-five pounds, so <laughs> substantially different. Yeah. Gotcha. Yeah, it's been crazy to watch Gordon ascension from from where he was five years ago to where he is now. It's just like mind blowing to see, to see what he's been able to do. It's crazy. Speaking of facing both Ryan brothers, I mean, we still haven't seen the Roberto Nicky Ryan yep. fight, and I know. That one's that, on, on that's the exciting. table. Bound yeah. to happen eventually. Though. Yeah, that one. That one is. Hopefully, we get uh, Roberto back in here. I believe Roberto's ranked at the uh, 185 pound weight class there, so just the the, the weight class above this one. Um, but yeah, I'm hoping we get get to see Roberto back in the mix very soon. Always one of my favorites. You, you guys know that yeah. he's a killer. He's got to beat some people up in MMA though. We gotta. We'll give him a little break and uh, let him go take some scalps for us. <laughs> All right. Well, there you guys go. Uh, April 30th. Uh, huge matches on the card. Heisem versus Sloan. We talked about Jessa versus Grace. Uh, Lovato versus Burns. Jones versus Rotolo. Uh, Wiltsy versus Garmo. Did I already say that one? Plenty of matches. It was. It's huge. We got. Uh, um, Sears versus Crane is also on the uh, on the prelim card here. Uh, it's free on YouTube. And a uh, little bit of insider information here, actually. Before we go, we just um, released the tickets for April 30th, I believe. You can now buy tickets on a, uh, on uh, flowgrappling.com. I believe you can get the, uh, the, the link. Is that right, Connor? Go to our Instagram. Go, go to the link Instagram. in our bio. We'll hook you up. So link in bio, buy some tickets right now. Ty Rotolo versus Craig Jones, April 30th. It's going down right here in Austin, Texas. The first time we're having fans. I promise you, if you can be here in uh, Austin to check this event out, you are going to want to check this event out. There is nothing better than a who's number one, one of my favorite events I've ever done here in jiu-jitsu. So really excited for April 30th. Big, big matches on the card. We'll be back next week with some more who's number one craziness. And uh, looking forward to that. April 30th event. We got Corey, Reed, Connor. Thanks guys for watching and we'll see y'all next time.